Hello, everyone. Welcome to AWS She Builds Tech Skills. My name is May, and I'm a solutions architect from AWS. And She Builds Tech Skills is a skill enhancement program where we live stream every month from a Twitch channel and bringing in special guests like today um, to talk about the tech career journey, some of the cool stuff that's happening in AWS or even in the industry. So today we have got Nadia Rehani from um, Senior DevOps Engineer. Um, Nadia, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Nadia. Good morning, good evening, Kiana from different time zones. I hope you're all good. Um, so yes, I'm a DevOps engineer at Mechanical Rock, and I'm a, a member of AWS Community Builder as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Nadia, for making the time and joining Thank the you. live stream. Um, cool. I'm based out of Sydney, Australia, and I want to know where all of you are joining from. So let me know in the chat where you are joining from. Uh, it's a, a Sydney, Australia. 12 p.m. Uh, lunchtime Friday here. And Nadia, are you also in Perth Sydney? Is, yeah, no, I'm in Perth. So it'd be all like five past nine. So it's early morning almost. Oh, is it? Oh, oh I, yeah. Literally, I didn't realize you're, you're in <laughs> we Perth. Yeah, two hours behind. Yeah, we are in Perth, Australia. Yeah. So if you haven't been to Australia, we do have a different time zones, even though we're in the same country. Um, so I, I'm nearly lunchtime here in Sydney, but I guess yeah. it's a morning time for you, Nadia. Yeah, it is. It is. So um, anyone who is watching the live stream, uh, let, let us know where you're joining from. Are you from local Sydney, Australia, or are you joining across the globe? Um, so this week or this month, I have to say, so this month we have a topic around the Amazon bedrock and Nadia, you have some exciting things that you want to show to the audience. So maybe tell us a little bit of a teaser, what we're going to do today. Yeah, sure. So I, I think it was last month that uh, AWS announced that Amazon bedrock is now publicly available. So I just jumped in and try experiment with Amazon Bedrock. And finally, I ended up like building an application, which is called like a storytelling application, uh, which is really cool, but it's easy. That's why I thought that it's good to share with people so that how easily you can create a generative AI application with Amazon Bedrock. And yesterday, they announced Party Rock, which is a playground for Amazon Bedrock. And that's something this Friday, I'm going to Party Rock and see that how I can play with Amazon Bedrock through party right which is like my experiment for this friday uh but that i will if you guys post that but that's that's gonna be amazing i, I have a, a try yeah party a lot of, yeah party right it's an amazing thing and i see that a lot of people from it like i was coming to build that way that was heroes i just started building already i said oh my god this is something that i want to try this friday or this weekend so, I'm gonna drop. I just drop a link in the chat. I yeah. I saw some of the LinkedIn posts uh, around the party rock, but I haven't actually tried. So yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, that's gonna be a cool thing because it's using bedrock. I think behind behind the scenes, so it's gonna be amazing. You don't even need, I think, to have any like programming skills because it's just like a different components. I haven't tried it myself yet, but I think it's gonna be like a components, and you can just like 
build it based on generative AI. It's like an AI tool. I will try yeah. it and then keep posted people, but it's going to be fun. Yeah. So it's very, uh, very relevant to Amazon Bedrock and it's a playground for Bedrock. So it's going to be fun. So uh, Yeah, it, it looks like a party playground. So where you have yeah. like, different things that put it together. Yeah. And, and you without, can build something. Yeah, without actually uh, um, knowing or maybe like machine learning or AI yeah, that you can yeah. able to play around with it. So I think that's really, it's it's yeah. actually launched yesterday or today. Yesterday, yes. Yesterday, yesterday in the US. Yeah, oh, yeah. out today, yeah, true. So uh, that's interesting. And you can share your application with someone. And when you have that share application, you can build on top of that, which is really interactive kind of way of generative AI. So it's like beyond things. I feel like it's been very simple to build yeah. generative AI application back then. It was very complex, but now it's going to be fun. So it's good. Easily, yeah. easily accessible. Uh, people can yeah. play around. And like I didn't have, I don't have a machine learning or um, AI background, mm -hmm. but um, this has been like a really easy to like, even for me to understand how does it works. So like build you know, some sample application just to test or play around yeah. with it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty much like that making accessible and also fun. It's not something like it's too difficult to follow. You can mm -hmm. just like follow it and learn. And there's a lot of resources out there as well. Now that is amazing. So we're going to see some of the demo on the Amazon Bedrock as well. But before I dive into uh, too technical stuff, yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to understand a little bit more about you, Nadia, and I'm sure audience as well. So if you're watching, if you have any questions regarding, I guess, DevOps engineer, um, you know, senior DevOps engineer uh, working in the tech uh, industry, Pop it in the chat. Uh, we're going to have a Q&A questions with Nadia as well. So make sure you drop your questions in the chat. Uh, my qu first question, Nadia. Um, so DevOps engineer, I want to know what what do you do day to day? If you can explain it to a like five years sure. old. <laughs> What's your day to day? Yeah, like? yeah. So to me, DevOps is more of a culture. It's not just like a job or a job title. So it's like a combination of different tasks and it's like more focused in unifying and automate, automating the whole process of building and developing an application. So it starts from provisioning infrastructure, building new features, like managing, um, maintaining your application security. So it's just like different pillars, different practices. Um, it's more of a culture and that's just like my day-to-day -day job, like having different tasks in different like features that we build. Um, in terms of tech stack, we mainly use AWS as our background, um, um, back, back end. And also our front end is mainly Next.js, React, Node, TypeScript. Uh, so yeah. it's mainly like mainly every, every day learning something new, which is something cool about DevOps. You're not just locked into one domain. You have the chance of like develop, developing different areas and learning new things. That's yeah. what I really like about DevOps. So DevOps, I, I, like in my definition, it was sit in between teams where you have engineer teams and yes. then perhaps a security or like, you know, the product teams and, and then yourself where you're building that infrastructure for developers to, yeah. to build, to deploy exactly. and to yeah. use it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what you mentioned. And, and if you look back now, like, uh, 
how did you get into a tech um and then you know how did you uh, how did you get into a devops role i have an interesting story because i graduated as a software engineer like about 10 15 years ago and uh, i was so afraid of coding i thought that no this is too difficult for me i don't want to maybe it was just like i was so tired after four or five years of a study and i took my job first as a software test engineer um, I was working at that domain for like almost five, six years, but every day because I was working with developers and I was seeing how cool and fun is this domain. I wanted to build something. I had that like feeling that no, I want more, like it, that they inspired me. Um, so I, I moved to Australia. I took a course with Chico's. I was so privileged to be part of that um, like cohort. And um, I landed in my first developer role, so right after she could, with, um, um, with um, Mechanical Rock. And now I'm working, it's almost four years now that I'm working in this role with Mechanical Rock. Um, it's been a great journey, but I'm so happy. If I look back, I said, no, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm so happy that I've made the decision to changing from testing. Testing is technical. It has a lot of things to learn and explore, but I really wanted to experiment and get hands on and get those like use my skills in terms of like coding and when i started i said no this is not that difficult it's just like all skills and like eventually everyone can pick it so that was my story of how you get to that's amazing it's uh, like i absolutely agree like the coding is a skill that anyone can pick it up and learn and like these days a lot of you know younger um kids or like early career they get exposed to like a lot of a community programs like you said like she code or like yeah. community programs that they can access to which can really be beneficial to see like okay this might be an interest to me uh, to do as a career in the future uh, speaking of co community programs, you are also part of an AWS community. Um, so tell us a little bit about what is AWS community and how how did you become a community builder? Um, sure. So I, I think it was last year this time I attended reInvent and I like so I met a lot of people like from AWS Community Builder, AWS Heroes. Um, I actually chatted and I said, oh my God, this is really cool environment that everyone all around the world, they can connect to each other. You are the person who like get informed more about like the latest tech in AWS. If you have any issues, you can ask someone in that community to help you. You ask that if they have already done something similar, sorry, and you can learn a lot from that community. So, um, when I came back, I was just like checking AWS community website so that if there is a wish list and it's like a wish list. So I applied for that and I was so lucky to get accepted. And since then, like I can see my progress that how like I improved like in the domain that I wanted because I connected to the people who are doing machine learning and seeing what they do, what's the like latest trend, what's the new announcement and have the privilege of like learning different blog posts that people post as well and all the community builders. So it's a really active and also helpful community that like you can just like connect to safe mindset people and learn from them. Uh, so that's how I ended up to like be part of the AWS community builder. And I think it's just like a really encouraging kind of atmosphere and environment as well. You see a lot of people, we had like last year a, a hackathon, AI hackathon that it was like a group of people 
my group was like four girls from different like part of the world. We just connected wow. to our community builder and we got the first position as well. So if, if I congratulations, yeah, it was good. It was so much fun that we never knew each other before this like hackathon, but uh, all of a sudden we connected and started working in different same project from different locations. So it's just like a magic that I think AWS community builders create. Um, yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. That is amazing. I think like the community is really important, that connection and then the network, um, not just for only like professional development, but also yes. like your career, you're looking for a job, you change in a career, having that, that connection and keeping it each other accountable and being like up to date in the industry, like, you know, what's happening, what's the new latest technology and these community just, you know, sharing this knowledge within the industry really empower others to like, okay, this is something that they can apply to their business Absolutely. to solve this problem. So I think that's really amazing. So anyone who is watching, I saw a few of the comments coming in. There are a few people who are, you know, starting out the DevOps engineer journey, uh, Flaky12. So welcome to the show. Um, and also Nagar from Adelaide. Apologies if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly. Also a cloud developer in the first year and aspiring DevOps engineer. So if you if you want to you know, know about day in, day out, what does the DevOps engineer do? Uh, make sure you drop the questions in the chat or reach out to Nadia. Um, I think there's one question. Thank you for asking, um, Muradana. Is it feasible to apply for DevOps with no experience? Well, we have got a <laughs> the experienced DevOps engineer here on the on the line. So, Nadia, would you be able to take this question? I think, like I said, DevOps is more of a culture. So, as long as you know the application lifecycle and also you know the pillars of DevOps, from security, from like maintaining and having loop short loop feedbacks, um, I think it is doable. And also these days we have a great community like everywhere from work that you join or from like different dev communities, AWS, you can get help and also get like um, not, not hands-on experience, at least understand the concept. Mm -hmm. And if you have been a developer and you want to learn the new culture of DevOps, that's definitely doable. And I think that I highly support that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, everything is yeah. possible. It's like you just have to try it. And I, I really believe that having the community and having this like uh, being surrounded by that community, you also have that connections and, you know, uh, you can still, you know, shatter in your own like your current workplace on the DevOps or the, the the new role that you're looking forward to change in the future and then shadowing them and just understanding how thing works in a DevOps culture, I think that also uh, another tips um, just yeah. to get into the DevOps world. These days, DevOps is not like a, you know, and not like a closed box. It's more open. It's more uh, communicating with the other team members and more welcoming. It's not exactly. a no department. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Uh, awesome. So Nadia, I know you have got uh, some demos and also jets a little bit about a Amazon bedrock. So what are no. we what are we going to do today? Um, so yeah, I can start sharing the screen. Um, I'm talking about like my cool application. It is simple but still effective. Once upon an Amazon bedrock, how we can create a storytelling in the cloud with Amazon bedrock. 
I will start with um, talking about some fundamental concepts of what is Amazon Bedrock? Everyone talking about this series. Let's learn some of those anatomy, understand the anatomy of these series, what's the features and how we can use each of those. And then we will, I will walk you through the tool that I have built with Amazon Bedrock. And um, that's, that's pretty much it that I'm gonna cover in this talk. So let's start with it. I usually start with the like documentation because I think it's the best way to like understand what that service does. And it gives us a lot of information that we might not find it in different random blog posts and so on. So when you go to the Amazon Bedrock homepage, you will see a great definition of this service, which says that it's the easiest way to build and scale generative AI application with foundational model. So there are three like phrases that is really highlighted in this definition that helps us to understand this series and distinguish this service from all other machine learning services that AWS has. And why it's the easiest way? So if you are coming from a machine learning background, you know that like back then we had to set up computing services like um, setting up and configuring the networking, um, making sure that data is secure, taking care of all the libraries that we install in that um, like instance or our computing service. So with Amazon Bedrock, which is like a managed service, it's taking care of all of those hard, like heavy lifting. So it's taking care of, we have it out of the box to start working with that. We don't need to be worried about how to set it up, how to secure our infrastructure and everything. It's been set up for you. So that's why it's the easiest way. And why it's like we can build generative AI at a scale, um, Amazon Metric is a serverless service, so it means that you don't need to be worried about the availability of your service if you have unpredictable workload. Imagine like at one moment you have like thousand requests goes to your model and, and Bedrock will shrink out and like scale out to support that workload. And when you have less, it will sh shrink in. So it will save you cost and you won't have like extra resources running in the background. So that's why it's enable you to enable you to build in a scale generative AI application without point being worried about that, what happened if I my workload is I'm like changing. And it uses foundational model for those who don't know what's foundational model. They are models that has been trained in a giant like petabyte of data. Back then in traditional way, we have like algorithms and then we had a data set and we usually train that model or algorithm with our data set. Our data should be clean. So preparing the model and training model, it's a really time consuming and expensive kind of process. With using foundational model, we are saving a lot of time and cost because it's already there. The model has been trained on a data and you can just use it out of the box. So that is what is Amazon Bedrock and how it's special compared to like other services that we have. Out of the box, you can have APIs that call your models in Amazon Bedrock and you can use it in your applications as easy and simple as that. So that's what's Amazon Bedrock. But I want to go through great that. explanation. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's just like very simple when you understand what it does and why it is different to like SageMaker. SageMaker is like a big ecosystem for machine learning. But so yeah. this one is just out of the box, simple. You just use the model with an API. That's it. Um, at the time of like this presentation, I know Amazon Bedrock is available in four regions. So 
um, when you want to use it, it's good to know that which regions are it's this service available, that if you have other resources like, I don't know, your Lambda functions and all of those to be deployed in the same region to remove that like latency, like to reduce yeah. that and have more like performant application. Uh, we need to consider that. Um, Bedrock agent is one of the cool features of Amazon Bedrock. And what is an agent? For those who don't, don't know, agent enables us to build more like um, complex uh, AI and generative AI solutions. How is that? Um, in normal way, we have one model that has one task, like summarize this text or translate it to a different language. So this is what it does, a model. We can have an agent that can um, have different tasks. So you can plan it to based on the user request, those different tasks. So it will be more complex. We are not limited and restricted to do one task. It will be more like interactive with users, especially if you are like a, have an enterprise company and you have a lot of data, your agent can interact with that data. And that's another feature that I'm just explaining shortly. Uh, that QR code, it would direct you to a good blog post from AWS that explaining what is Amazon um, Bedrock agent and how you can guide you through how you can create an agent for your Amazon Bedrock. If my slides, I think I've frozen. Am I? It looks like it. Yeah, okay, oh. let's, let's, <laughs> let's wait. It happens. That's, that's all right. Um, have anyone try Amazon Bedrock? And please pop it in the chat if you have tried, you know, Amazon Bedrock or Bedrock Agent. Like I haven't used myself Bedrock Agent, so so looks like Nadia might have some of the some technical. I can still hear oh, no. you, but okay, your, so it's your, video, your video is frozen. So oh, sorry um, about that. I will be. I will that's that's all good. This is part of a live streaming. So at least you all know this is uh, <laughs> this is the actual live streaming. And uh, sometimes we have some hiccups uh, when we are streaming live. Um, OK, so, let's see. Am I back or? What's no. happening now? So I think your video is frozen at the moment. Okay, how are we doing? All right. Now? Okay, You're I will start sharing again. Awesome, awesome. Sorry about that. That's all good. Um, anyone watching, if you have any question, let us know. Okay, yes. so I explained that I was on Patrick. Sorry about the interruption, it was my computer. So we continue with it. And the other feature is that the Amazon Bedrock enables you to have access to foundational models. Um, so we have different models from image, from text generator. So it's like all available for you. The difference is that when, if you're using Amazon Bedrock for the very first time, you need to request for those models. They are not like out of the box accessible in your account. So each region you need to request for that. It's the easiest stuff and it takes just a couple of minutes to grant the access. What you need to do is just you go to Amazon Bedrock console and have the model access and just you have the models. I've requested for those, but you can see an example that I don't have access. You can have um, like request access submitted. I think for me, for all the models that I have access took about five minutes that straight away it was granted and it was available in my account to be able to use them. But that's not just it. 
fun thing about the foundational model is that you can take those models, you have your data set, and fine tune that foundational model based on your data. It enables you to have more customized kind of like more relevant to your use case to use those models to get more accurate response, um, like depending on your data set. So it's really like great uh, opportunity. You can just create a training job, train that model based on your data set, and that you are ready to go. You can use your model, own model. So that's also available on Amazon Bedrock. Another cool feature that I was talking about, and it's this combination of this knowledge base with uh, Amazon Bedrock agent, it's just like a magic because you can have an agent that does a lot of combination of tasks, and then you can have the um, knowledge base. What is knowledge base? Um, it's a way that you can enable your agent or your model has access to external data set. Like imagine in your enterprise company, you have like all your data has been stored in OpenSearch. And then you can have access to that open search via your uh, agent or your model. And then whenever your user goes and asks a specific question that needs to have like access to a specific data, which is relevant to your company, you can enable that. And it's just like something that you have customized. And we are 100% sure that that data is like safe and secure in transit and when you have it in REST, like um, in AWS. Yeah. So you have the data security, but you are having like more opportunity to create more complex kind of application and generative AI solution. Again, that QR code directly to a great blog post with AWS that guide you through the steps, how you have, you can create knowledge base and how you can connect it to your agent. That's I think that's really nice. useful. Um, if you is. have your own data and like you wanna use that data to be able to, you know, for example, uh, have a chat application or Q&A application, but, not just on the you know internet data, but also your own company data. You can Absolutely. use the knowledge base to plug it in, and yeah. then you can still ask the general question, but you can still ask the related to like when was Amazon started or um, yeah. you know what was exactly. the yeah. So those the related data can be built using the knowledge base. So that that's a really good one. That's a really good yeah. use case. Yeah, and you not do not you don't need to move the data around like your data sits in wherever you are storing it. You just provide the access and connect it to your agent to just yep. make it available for your true robot to have more knowledge based on your own data set. So that's a really like it to me it's like magic. And it's very simple when you try and read that blog or say, oh, how simple you can do that, how you can enable it and create really being creative in terms of generative AI. So that's that to me that's like a magic. So yeah. enough of theories. So far, we know what is Amazon Bedrock, how, what are the features, how we can use it. Now is the demo time that I will walk you through the, the common steps that we need to take to integrate with um, Amazon Bedrock and use it in our generative AR. It's just some common steps. It doesn't matter which model you are using from Amazon Bedrock. You need to just have the same steps, uh, which is like very common. Um, so what we're building, this is more important. Uh, so I will start with this one to understand what's the flow of that application and through the different lambdas that we have, I will walk you through those common steps that is very like common in all those two, in two lambdas. So the application starts with user providing a topic. So they generate, put a topic and they click on generate. 
on click.generate, I've used AWS AppSync, which is the API service. Um, it helps me to have the typed version, like I know that what's the format of the request when front-end sends it, and also my Lambda notes that what's the request look like when it receives it. So um, AppSync helps me to uh, have an, a schema and have that fully typed. Then when they request for generating a story, I have a Lambda function, which is a resolver. And that will request Amazon Bedrock, the text image, to generate a story based on that prompt. I will walk you through all of these. Then when we have the story, I will return it and show it in UI. Um, I tried to like separate the generating a story and image because I thought, what if someone wants to change their story, regenerate it. I do need to have the images for something that they have not confirmed it yet. So that's why the next step is that when they or they like the story, then they can generate the uh, image for it, which is the illustration. They click on illustrate or generate an uh, illustration for the um, a story. Then again, it will call the app sync. App sync called the Lambda. Lambda this time calls the image um, um, generator from Amazon Bedrock. Once I get the data, which is just a blob for image, I store it in S3 bucket because I thought it's the easiest way to generate pre-signed URL for those images, to download them and display them in UI. That's as simple as that. And you will see how simply those Lambda function is um, like behaving to uh, call Amazon Bedrock different models and get the response back. That's the step that we are going to walk through. So I'm not going to focus on front end, but for simplicity, I have the code in code repository, which is in GitHub. Feel free to scan it, go wild, change the style in a way that you want to have your storytelling application. It's a React Next.js and it's very flexible. You can add more components and change it and change the way that it looks. It's all up to you, but I have it all in place. So feel free to pull down that repository and try it yourself. It's time for the Amazon Bedrock Magician. So all those stack that I explained just now, I've put those in a cloud formation template. It's a serverless application. It has all the resources that you require from S3 bucket, from IAM role, all the policies that allows your different services like communicate to each other, having the permission and being authorized to call each other or access to each other. They are all has been embedded in that cloud formation and also setting up the app sync. So it's all there. Feel free to pull down that repository as well and use it as you go. But what are the common steps to communicate with Amazon Bedrock? Same as all other services in AWS. If, if you have worked with AWS, first it starts with creating a client. Um, here is, an, is a um, Python version, but that code repository also has the Node version. If you are a Node user, I've used the SDK version 3 to call, create a client, and communicate with uh, Amazon Bedrock. So with ProPython, you just download the uh, Proto tree, which is the library, and then you create a client with the service name, which is Amazon Bedrock Runtime. And you can set the region, just bear in mind, that region should be a region that um, Bedrock is uh, available. That's the very first step. That's how we created a like, link between our application that can communicate with Amazon Bedrock. Next step is that how we want to tell Bedrock what we are requesting. Now, so that's how we need to construct a payload. 
Um, there are different ways that we can do that. Um, there are examples of the notebooks in Amazon Bedrock. But for me, the quickest way is that you go to your Amazon Bedrock console, the playground of the model that you want to use. There are different like text, image, and all of that. And then when you go to text, I'm choosing my Jurassic, which is the model I'm using for text generated. When you use that, if you click on View API, a pop-up will show you how would that uh, payload look like when you want to um, invoke your model or send a request to Bedrock to do something for you. So that's as simple as that. So you have the sample of your payload that gives you two um, like important parameters in that payload. I'm going to cover next that one. So the first one is the model ID. Because Bedrock has different foundational models that we can use, you need to specify to Bedrock which model I'm going to use. So that's the model ID of the Jurassic. I got that one from the payload. That's the first step. Next one is the, um, the body. The body is the, like the brain of your actual request. You're telling to Bedrock, hey, when you access that model, what do you want to request it? Um, and that's what comes to prompt engineering. I'm not going to cover that much because it's out of the scope. But what I did, I simply asked that model, hey, write a story up to like 200 words with the topic that user is providing to you. That's all I did. In the like more advanced version, because I wanted to have separate paragraphs, I asked my model, pretend the story in three paragraphs. Each paragraph can have like 120 words. And um, that's it. So it, it simply do that. And that's like a magic that you ask it, and it provides you exactly the format that you are requesting. Um, in body, there are some other parameters. They are model parameter. They are different based on the model that you are using. But to me, it's really experimental. So I usually play in the console, the playground, to find out what's the best combination of different uh, parameters. But for this use case, I'm just using the default one and it's doing like great. It's just like I don't need to just go nuts and create really complex combination because it's very like sensitive. When you change, for example, temperature from 0.1 to 1, it just like totally changed how it generates the story. So it's very good to be cautious about that. And even if you want to change it, change very like gradually, like 0.78, something like that. I yeah, that, that's, that's a. That's a really good point. I was just going to jump in there. So with the prompt engineering, I think it's the beauty of it, right? Like you tell the model exactly how you want the response exactly. to be, but you have to be very specific, but you can be generic and the response may vary. And that's yes. where the parameters comes in as a temperature. Um, yes. Like if you increase the temperature, I think the model's going to stick with exactly what you're saying. But if you decrease the temperature, like uh, Nadia said, uh, model is going to be creative and be more yes. uh, be more fun and playful and putting like more imagination into this story topic. So that, that's so you got to play around with the parameters, like you said, and then just to work out what is the ideal state for the yeah. use case that you're trying to do. So I think this is really like this is the most for me is the most interesting part where you can play around to see the same question but different response. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And the good thing is that each parameter has like an information uh, button. So you can read about it, what that parameter does. Mm. So it's very like informative as well. If you're new and you don't know what's that temperature or what's the stop sequence. So you can read through like the console yeah. and find out, okay, what each of those um, like parameters does. Um, so 
that's the second step. So we already know how to communicate with Amazon Bedrock. We know what we are requesting to Amazon Bedrock. The final step is that to triggering that, like just invoking that model and getting the response back. So it will be the final step to invoking that fundamental, fundamental foundational model to get the inference. Um, Amazon Bedrock provides two different ways that we can invoke the model. The standard way is just invoke model, what it does. Um, so you have to wait until your model finished what you requested, get the response back, and you can use that response. So that's the standard way. But we have more advanced and like more um, very live version of it as well. It's the invoke model with streaming the response. It's pretty cool because when you type and ask your request do something, what it does, it generates the story, and you can see actually in your UI that is generating the story. Same as like chat GPT, like when you request and you see that that um, a story or whatever your res response is generated, and you're seeing it like your model is typing as well, it's exactly the same experience. So it's more engaging, your user can read through one while the whole um, story is finished. For simplicity, again, I stick to the standard way, but I have the example of that stream uh, version as well in the code repository. So if you want to have that fantasy, just go with it. So it will be simple. So this is the three steps that we want to take, and it doesn't matter. So it's as simple as this, we generated our first Lambda function. We created the client, we uh, know what's the model we are using, and we uh, created our prompt. And then we invoke it with invoke model. So now we have the first model that generates the story for us. For illustration, it will be the same thing. So like I said, it doesn't matter which model you are using from um, Amazon Bedrock. You just need to provide, you have the client, provide your payload, and specify which model ID you're using. For a stable diffusion is the model that you generate the images. So I specify that model ID, and that for prompt, I tried to be more specific here because I didn't want to send down my 200 words, the story, and then get back the one image, one single image, because I wanted to be more like a specific, each paragraph has its own um, image. What I did, I used the same model, which was the previous one I explained, the text story, the text model. Um, it summarized my um, story, each paragraph. And then when I have the summary, then I will send that one to my model, which is the generate image. Um, we could go like more like advanced, what we do to have all combined in one Lambda function, like generate the story and generate the image. But like I said, I wanted to let user choose if they want to generate the image for that. Maybe they want to change the story and then generate the story and image for the final story. Uh, that's as simple as that. For And now I created the second Lambda functions because I know how to create client, what's my payload, and then it's just a bit of logic. And I would demonstrate the code as well, because the next is that a step is to upload that file to S3 bucket and also create a pre-signed URL to display the images in front end. That's pretty much it. Like That's so far, awesome. we're done. We just I... like we created a, a storytelling application with simply using two models, image and text. I'm gonna um, live yeah. have a live I'm... demo as well. I'm looking forward to the live demos. We have got about um, 15 minutes before we close cool. out the, the stream, but I sure. am looking forward to the live demo. Awesome. 
let's start with the code because um, I want to show you what's the whole those magic happens behind the scene. I hope my screen is not small. Uh, just ping, uh, let us it, know. If it, it's it looks it's good, good to me. If anyone awesome. can read it uh, or if sure. you have any issue, let us know on the chat. Perfect. So I, these are two, two magical like Lambda functions that I have that generates the story. And the other one is the illustration or the images. What I do, I construct my prompt. And like I said, in the actual version, I have changed it more like a specific to specify what I'm requesting from my model. I ask it to generate like 400 words a story. And I'm saying that, that a story should be have paragraphs. And also I'm indexing those paragraphs because then in UI, I can simply look for that indexes and shape my like UI and how I'm going to show these paragraphs. So that's all the prompt that I've put for that a model. And also I'm just calling that text. Um, be cautious about the max token because um, Amazon Bedrock charge you based on the token that you generate. The more token, the bigger token that you are putting the number, uh, it will be more costly, but I don't think it's that expensive. So it's just uh, it's just something that you need to have in your mind. And for text model um, here, I told you this is an example of the Node.js. Um, so what I've done, I've imported the SDK and now I'm invoking the model command. So I create the invoke model command. I use my client to send that command to Bedrock. That's as simple as that. And then I get the story. All I need to do is to construct that JSON file and get the text and show it in UI. Simply, like it's like a magic to me because it's just a couple of line of code and you enable your UI you just build an application. You can go more advanced and add more features into it. Like user can modify their story, share their story with someone in like um, a social media, or even they have like a profile to store those stories. They can come back to it and just reread it. So there are a lot of features you can add in this um, like application. But for sake of Amazon Bedrock, I think it's just like a magic. And for image as well. So I, I just have the image ID, what's my image that I'm using a stable diffusion, and I'm just send the content of which is each paragraph. I also played a little bit with the parameters to find out which one is giving me the better and smoother image. Again, I think for image, if I fine tune this image generator, it will give me more accurate. Or in prompt engineering, you will see in a story, the character might change. Like, I'm like yeah. I'm writing a story about a cat. Um, the first image might show a different cat, and second one showing a different like um, cat with different oh, colors. Oh, yeah, you yeah. can be more specific and tell your character should, how they should look like. Like yeah. um, use the same character in all the images. So these are the fun bit that you can just play around and make it more and more like. That sounds so much fun. So you can tell yeah. exactly. Give me the gray. British cats, short hair for the whole yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, and it it's when you specify it, it exactly do what, what you're providing to it. Um, yeah, so that's simple as that. And for image, I'm just summarizing each paragraph and generate image for that specific parameter, like a, a summary. That's it. And I'm uploading the file. Again, I'm using all AWS um, SDK version 3, which is more uh, up to date and generating the URL. When I return this URL, my UI, it's just for those who know the front end, it will be just the image tag and I have the source of that image. 
let's give it a shot. I have an example of the story that I have generated. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you have time to go through a story and read it, but I request that to generate um, a story about a kitten that's playing with a ball. And I can see all of a sudden, like it, it just generates the, Im the image and also the story for me. Let's read it, right? Yeah, it's just like cat. it had everything. Once upon a time, there was a cute and curious little cat, a kitten. So it's just like Im illustrate everything. And but you will see that the my cat might be different, like even bigger or older. So, but it's it's pretty cool. One thing that is challenging, um, and actually it reminds us how important it is we provide clean data to our model. Um, I experienced it with generating a story because when you ask to write a story, it might have characters and characters talk to each other. So the text will have some double quotes. When you try to generate the image for that, your model will tell you, hey, you are providing me like invalid kind of um, data. So I have, I have to figure it out to have a plain text without any double quotes. But let's generate another story with the same topic. Or I can try different topics, but this is a live demo. Yes. This is so, a live demo. <laughs> yeah, it generates this. I don't like. I would like to have more, like uh, longer, to get more images. I think this is acceptable. It is a bit short, but I think I like it. Let's generate and illustrate it as well. It takes some time, and um, one thing I have done, I have one lambda function that goes and generates three images. Uh, what I could do is that to have separate calls to generate separate like images. Separately. I think that, yeah. yeah, that would be more like um, in performance and you would get all the images instantly. But now you are waiting to get three different images. But um, okay, this is cool. So we have one image that has the little kitten lived in a house. And that's interesting because it actually creates all the environment for you. Yesterday I was trying and it was showing like a cat with his owner or her owner. And you would actually see the feet of the person that is standing there that yeah. and not like this. It's very matched with that story. Um, sorry, and this is the second one. You see that this is like a graphical and this one is actual image, but this is this can all be controlled in your model. You yeah. can uh, like be more specific in your prompt that how you want yeah. to generate your images, what's the characters and everything. Um, that's, really, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a lot we can like improve this application. Like I said, having the share capability, people integrate like with their stories. So it's all the good things that you can do about that. And I might try this with the party, right? So because you can build everything and you can share it with everyone. I want to try this idea in that and see that how it works. That is, yeah. that is a great segue. So if you haven't seen anyone on watching the live stream or on demand later on, if you haven't seen a party rug, which is the new announcement from Amazon, um, we just recently launched a party rug, which is a playground for Amazon Bedrock. And you can play around, create a, a generative AI application, share with your teams and all these cool things that, you know, without actually uh, build build out the application, but you can still try it in the playground uh, using the party rock. So I just dropped the link in the chat. If you haven't, uh, please go in and check it out. Uh, this application is is amazing, Nadia. I can mm -hmm. see where parents um, or like you know aunties and uncles they can create a cute little storyboard or like a story for uh, for the kids. You know, gave a, a very um, like good prompting, 
you know, um, create those images, create comic, and have a play, have a fun with it, and also learn about how the generative AI works, learn about the bedrock and prompt engineering. But um, but the POC looks really amazing. Thank you for Thank sharing you. that. Thank you, my pleasure. Oh, I think someone asking about the tutorials and everything, and I saw the link which is there, and also for this one, I have a blog post both in Dev Community. Um, I can share the links if I find some, and also at um, Mechanical Right blog post as well. So if yeah. someone is interested, and it's just like you can follow the steps exactly what I explained and understand what's Amazon Bedrock and how you can interact with it. Yeah, if you have any questions, if you want to try it out, uh, go to Amazon uh, AWS Bedrock official uh, documentations to see, understand what's involved, what's the blog post and then the workshop. Uh, but for this POC, Nadia also have got a blog um, and we can we can share that with you so you can, you know, see what's actually involved and how difficult or easy it is to build those generative AI application. But these days it's a pretty easy uh, to start it up in the generative AI space. Absolutely. So, um, I'm going to drop a link. Oops. All right, that's, that doesn't copy nicely. <laughs> Let me try it again. All righty. So I just dropped another link um, in the chat as well. So if you're interested to grab those and uh, have a have a play around with it. Why I'm doing this, we do have a questions from a, a live audience uh, for Nadia, but this is more around the DevOps space. So um, what are the tips that you might have someone who is interested or desire to be a DevOps engineer? What skills or, you know, what quality do I need or to show to the to the employer um, to work as a DevOps engineer. Nadia, what do you think? I'm reading the question and thinking that because I think we're all the same in this space. So um, I think it's very important to find out if you personally really enjoy doing it. And when you enjoy and like it's your passion, you don't need to prove anything to someone. You just do it like on the fly. You just like, you know how to do it because you're trying your best. Um, there, I think for me personally, I, it took some time to be generalized in that domain, which is DevOps, and then finding out which domain I want to specify as my specialty. So I think the first few years for everyone, doesn't matter where you're working, is more experimental. And even it is hard because you want to prove it to yourself as well, that you can do it. DevOps means uh, like a culture of being multitasking person. It's not just a developer that just develops something and delivers it. You need to take care of that product after that. You need to understand the requirements. You need to take care of all the possible risks that's involved. And you need to communicate with a lot of people. So I think it's all the skill. Uh, eventually you will get there. It, it takes some time. And I think um, it but needs just like to be persistent and like do it, try it. And also get help, like from connect with other people that they're doing the same thing. See how they tackle the challenges, how they get help, how they have the learning materials. So this is like just like connecting to people that they're doing the same thing and finding out how they do it. But I think this is just the same, like a common kind of things that everyone feels. Because DevOps is really broad, it's not just one domain. Uh, and I think, yeah, that's pretty much what I can yeah. say. 
Yeah, it takes just some time to be honest. Yeah. Great, uh, great answer. We do have another question. How is generative AI being used in the DevOps space? This is a great question because um, one of the aspects of generative AI is automating things, right? And DevOps is all about uh, being automating the process. So I personally have not used it, but it's really like um, getting the idea of how you can use it in DevOps to automate those processes, how to um, like, in my case, we have the infrastructure as code, how we can provision, how we can just put a diagram, like a whole solution diagram, mm -hmm. and ask generative AI to create these resources for us instead of us sitting down and putting all those cloud formation resources. So these are the magics that might happen in DevOps, because the first step is just automating everything, right? And we can do that with generative AI to just like put the diagram and ask it to generate that um, like resources for me. So we have same times. It helps us to automate the first step. Or if you have like some uh, CI CD pipelines um, integrated with GitHub or your Bitbucket or like whatever you're using and create all those resources for you. So these are the things that might happen in that uh, like a space of uh, DevOps. Um, but I personally, I'm so keen to try it. Um, I yeah. might create something about it, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a really good use case, you know, because writing the CloudFormation or CDK um, infrastructure as code, if you can in the in the natural language, you can create those in the natural language, and then it can generate it, generate AI, generate those resources in the environment, whether if it's AWS or different places, and that's save us a lot of time, and you know, and the the other thing is like it's it's applicable in the different different places as well. So uh, not just on the DevOps platform, but also your day-to-day -day, like people or dev like engineers asking DevOps, okay, what's the security group or how can I connect my GitHub repository into the, the CI CD pipeline? If you can have a generative AI to answer those questions before it comes to you, uh, perhaps that could save time too, but yeah, a lot of, Lots of use cases around that. Oh, but yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, I think we are closing the time now, but I just want to say thank you for all the viewers out there for watching or, you know, uh, interacting with us. Uh, really appreciate it. I hope you get some takeaway from the Amazon Bedrock and also Nadia demonstrations. And Nadia, really appreciate your time um, putting you. the demos together doing a live demo it's not an easy job um, so I really appreciate the time you know being part of the AWS she builds community and Thank spending you. the time to share your knowledge your experience uh, with the community uh, so I really um, thankful for that and I hope Thank we will you. have you uh, next time on the show so Anytime. for those Thank you. For those who is watching uh, live or on demand, make sure you tune in on the AWS She Builds Tech Skills. We live stream regularly um, every month and um, a range of different topics. So generative AI is one topic, but we talk a lot of uh, different technical topics. But thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. Bye.